safe. Like you, you wouldn't want to harm anyone, Paul. Right? You want people to be exposed to safe information, information that is, you know, safe. It's not going to hurt them or anyone. You know. Well, that's why I always ask my parents' permission before going online. Ah, uh, I see. I see. People like you out there talking to folks like me. We, we should have a governmental parental controls. You know. So the government can kind of control what everyone sees and, and thinks to, to protect us from information that's not safe because safe and safety and stuff. Maybe we should have a new department of the government that just monitors what everybody does online all the time. Yeah, we can call it like the ministry. I'm so down for that. Like something government like out there. This guy's got some great ideas. If you're looking to hire somebody to like just look at everybody's browsing history, I'm your man. Pornhub ex motherless 4chan whatever i've been been seen it all i know seen how it all yeah i, I can Chatterbait. handle it chatterbait so, oh boy hey guys welcome to dangerous rhetoric this is episode 44 we are with the great paul lacrone he makes videos and stuff and he has a daily blog and he has a podcast called the penguin latte podcast and yeah he's a big nerd so. You can find his blog at penguinlatte.blog. <laughs> Go read his blog. Go read his daily blog. They're short. Stalk him on Twitter. Blips and thoughts from Paul's brilliant mind. And he's a self-help guru now. I don't know if you guys heard, but he's a self-help yes. guru now. Certified self-help. I don't have the blue check yet, but I'm working on that. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. You know, so people know that you're like a verified person and that your your opinions are safe and effective opinions. You can just search for Paul Lacrone on YouTube. He comes yes. right up. Yeah. He's almost as famous as us on YouTube. <laughs> almost. Does he have two? How many subscribers do you guys have now? Like yeah, we have 319, so we're more famous than Paul. Well, when you look at the shit I'm uploading, it's way more impressive that I have any subscribers at all. It's actually crazy that you have almost as much as us. I'm like, damn, I, I don't just know if that says a lot about you or, or like little about us. <laughs> Yes, I love it. Mind you, it's just me dancing to Radiohead with my Nintendo Switch. Like that was, I worked hard on that one. As you can um, see, and I we're still very, have... we're very important people. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Don't um, forget to like, subscribe, comment, do all the things. So much serious things. Share to talk it about on your social media. Today. That's really how we grow. Paul is going to help you find your your truth, your truth. Not the there is no the your truth. There's no the truth. He's going to help you find your truth. Well, I like the way you put it that way. Yeah, your truth. Not about telling people how to live, you know. Or accuracy or facts or fuck all that. Facts and all that. No, right. your truth. It's whatever in your head you think it is. And you're special the way you are. And, you know, you're you're great. And we can help you find your, your true potential for $9.99 a month. <laughs> Paul $99 my, a month. That's my alphabet guru. And I will tell you everything you want. Oh, Without being a man. Be <laughs> um, I, have, I just want to say I really enjoy the fact that you guys are still doing this. I, I, a pre, I really like what I see you guys say about your previous guests. The level of support you give to the people you've had on your show. The positivity you yield to those people is awesome. It's great, and I love to see it. So, oh, thank, thank you, you oh, for always oh. spreading. Cheers love. to that. I don't have anything to cheers. I finished all my coffee, but 
Cheers. I have an, it's an imaginary moment. Cheers. Yeah, no, we, we, we do take it seriously what we do here. And, you know, it's interesting because sometimes speak for yourself, <laughs> speak for yourself, Brian, you don't take this seriously? No, no, not at all. Sometimes we'll finish an episode, man. And like, I feel uplifted, you know, as soon as, soon as I take the headphones off, I feel really good. I don't know why it's like, a, it's like a, it's like the feeling you get when you do a good deed, sort of. I don't know why. Pump but... those bags, Daniel. Pump those bags. Pump those bags. Yeah, but I don't know, man. I, yeah, I, like I've. This has been one of. It's been one of the most fulfilling things I've ever decided to do in my life, and even though it's not, you know, yielding all these views and stuff yet, I think uh, if we just keep doing it and be consistent with what it, are you talking about we get like 100 we get like i know well like, average like so famous digit views so famous like that's i said before. that's not bad <laughs> like gratitude like patience we like, get like 100 an episode something like that so i mean if we, if we make triple triple digits on views i am very proud yeah well most podcasts don't make it past episode nine or eight really so, yeah it's a very small number well everybody wants to start a podcast and then they realize how much oh it's work it's, it's not even that it takes well depending on what you're doing it's not really that it takes a lot of work it just it's a passion thing you have to be passionate about the conversations you, have really you want to have do it. You stay and it's, in oh it. i'm gonna make a bunch of money doing a podcast and no. they, <laughs> i don't enjoy doing it <laughs> no. to, well, yeah well right 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 we spend i i think this is not my idea, but if it's like five people hear it and one person's like, wow, this changed my life, that's success. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Honestly, like if if just one person comes across this, yeah. thought about something in, in mm -hmm. a new way, perhaps that they hadn't before, or maybe they didn't, maybe they just heard a story or something similar that they've been through that too, and they felt like a little less alone or whatever. It's just, yes, yes. I feel the same about like my books or my paintings, you know, even, even if it doesn't get me to like a level of fame or whatever, like if it could at least affect someone at a very deep level and it doesn't have to be in my lifetime, it could be after I'm dead. Although I would prefer yes. that it's in my lifetime, guys. You know about it. By my heart. Yes. You can't get email in death land when you're dead. You gotta be, see it when you're alive. Yeah, well, I also like, I, I would prefer, you know, the monetary support now. Of course. Not, you know, when I'm dead, like Van Gogh. So, Paul, how are things in uh, Kamilandia? Kamilandia. 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 Well, January 15th should be a holiday because that's when they lifted the mask mandate again. Yeah. So, celebrating that. Um, my stance on that is wear one if you want to, wear don't wear one if you don't want to. Like, I don't know why. I don't know why everybody and their mom has to wear one. Just make the decision yourself. So, I only had one lady. Um, you sound like a fascist. What's up? You sound like a fascist. I've been reading a lot of Peterson lately, so you can blame it on that. <laughs> that makes sense. That explains it. Yeah. I mean, I only had one instance in which somebody, um, this girl behind the counter at a coffee shop, had asked me to put on a mask. And I'll admit, I was kind of an asshole. I was like, well, can I, can I just like, you know, do this? Can I just like, you know, put it over my nose? And she says, well, I have some masks and, you know, can you do it for me? I don't know who you are. I don't want to sound like too much of a red-pilled Karen, but perhaps I'm, sure, I'm maybe her boss was like, you know, you got to fill up your quota of, you know, people don't wear masks. I, I get it. But in the moment, like, I can't deny that I wasn't annoyed by it. I'd be a hypocrite if I said I wasn't that. So I was annoyed by it. But looking back, I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe 
it's not her fault, her boss. And then it's like her boss is being told by the power, like the landlord and like the landlord's being told by the, the local government to adhere to these rules. So like, it's a chain, you know, it's, it's a chain of these rules. Which like, is never... how totalitarianism basically works. And the thing about it is it's the people start to enforce it on each other. Like the, the authority doesn't even really need to do as much anymore. They just kind of put the rules in place and they freak everyone out. And then they let the people impose it upon each other. And then, well, look what happens. I've been reading a lot of um, George Orwell's snippets of his essays on Orwell on Truth, Ooh. specifically his essays on actually what it means by totalitarianism. And he posited that totalitarianism, in essence, is stating that what is true today might not be true tomorrow, and you have to go along with it. Mm -hmm. If the powers that be, CDC says the earth is flat today, they didn't say it was tomorrow, you have to believe that. Mm -hmm. So. Yes, this is this is why I believe that Flat Earth was a psyop. <laughs> they were testing the collective credulity. Yeah, I was I was talking to you about this. <laughs> I was talking to you, I was talking to Brian about Flat Earth last week because there was a launch here again. You know, we're on the Space Coast right right now. Oh yeah. And, you know, I'm sitting down on the computer, and all of a sudden there's like a rumble and a roar coming, and the dog starts freaking out, and I'm like, oh. They're launching something again. Like this is Space Coast life. You know, once in a while you just you There's hear a rocket launch. You hear a rocket launch rumble or whatever. Yeah. So I went online and, and I'm pulling up the <clears throat> the live feed so I can see from the camera what the rocket is seeing and all of that. And it's like, you know, it's going up and you're literally seeing the earth as it goes up and you're seeing it <laughs> round. <laughs> it's like, dude, do flat earth people like not know that elon musk exists and that spacex is a Twitter, thing twitter's that... eavesdropping on us by the way oh yeah they are <laughs> oh shit they really just posted that that's so weird. i just like let's just like clicked and scrolled and there was like a launch advertisement that's <laughs> fucking strange that's so weird so creepy but yeah it's just like do do they not know that these things are like live streamed like you can literally and and even if you don't believe the live stream you can like physically go to the space coast yourself and like watch them launch while watching the camera if you want that verifies what the rocket is seeing it's just like how can there even be anyone who believes in flat earth still in today's society but there but there are there was a great flat earth documentary i forget if it was on netflix or if it was just on youtube or something that i watched and now the story sucks because i can't remember the name of it but it went into it like great detail of like why it is people still believe in this pretty much harmless conspiracy theory like, like even if the earth is flat like yeah so what's what? the point of that nobody's like, hurting anybody by promoting flat like the most harmless conspiracy theory you could censor is flat earth how is that harming anybody yeah. it's not and so, i still wouldn't even censor that honestly i think if people are dumb enough to want to discuss and believe in it you know, right. I'd rather know who they are. Go ahead, go talk about it on the internet, and then I'll send you a link to the live stream of the SpaceX launch, and then I'll see how you respond to that. And then, you know, we'll laugh about it and make content, free speech. Where did they find the engines after traveling through the uh, the entryway in Antarctica? Put that on the internet. Oh, well, <laughs> we'll be all... That'd be surprising. Man, the... I hope they were wearing masks on that spaceship. <laughs> the, the rocket coming back down, though, and landing in the perspective and the precise spot where they crazy. calculated to land. It's like, when you see that happen, you're just like, that is nuts that humans were able to like- <coughs> That's nuts. That. It's nuts, dude. Like, that is absolutely it is, nuts. It really is spectacular. It's like some sci-fi shit. It's like, wow, we're like reusing these things. We now. are so technologically advanced, which is why we can't afford a third world war. We would destroy ourselves. <laughs> we would. Really, it's, it's, it's absolutely 
it's like godlike power. So we all have now. It's, it's... And it's probably nothing. I mean, look at the the shit, you know, the weird stuff we were talking about on the last episode when you were yeah, moon there. energy or whatever it was. Or whatever the hell the UFOs are up there and they have access oh, yeah. to, you know, whatever whatever that is. So we're we're still kind of in our infancy in comparison. But then, you know, then there's the subject of like what tech level does the government actually have, you know, is like Richard Dolan, for example, we talked about him on the last episode you were on, and one of the theories he's very, very famous for and well known for is called the breakaway civilization, mm -hmm. which is basically, this is the theory. The theory is that <clears throat> people within the quote-unquote deep state, you know, very deep in it, recovered some sort of alien technology at some point in the past and have been like reverse engineering it to inform our own technological developments ever since then and that what we get in normal society is like a trickle down compared to the tech that actually exists in the clandestine world that they have and his theory is that this would create a sort of separation between like where two societies would exist you know ours which has our normal tech that we know about and then one that is like advanced far past where we are are and like has a secret form of tech that we don't even know about underground bases that sort of weird shit it is really interesting to think about and sounds like attack on titan yes it's like that a, anime? definitely like an anime or graphic novel like some have you heard of this uh this hollow earth theory i have heard of hollow earth um that's an old one that's where i'm calling from it's the hollow earth ah, you're calling from hollow earth, calling from hollow earth. India. if aliens come to earth do they have to wear masks like if they arrive like hey we're the aliens so Yo, you gotta wear a fucking mask i'm like, gonna tweet that so the first thing we say to an alien is put on a fucking mask but like could you imagine could you imagine the first thing we say to an alien hey you gotta get vaccinated oh wait we don't do that <laughs> what if it's like an actual alien like what makes people like what if they can't even breathe our atmosphere I mean, if they're silicon based uh right. like oxygen is actually incredibly corrosive and this is something we've like evolved to deal with but uh you know other organisms that you know, don't have if there's not oxygen in their atmosphere wherever they came from yeah. they might not be able to withstand ours i just tweet it quote if aliens come to earth do they have to wear masks <laughs> i tagged you paul you don't have to tag me you steal that i tagged you anyway the world needs question. to know it's a very good question. That um, deifying Hitler is that what that book is? Defying, defying, defying Hitler, not uh, deifying. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Bastion. Thought that was another Jordan Peterson book that he put out. Oh, no, but honestly, this is one. It's a great read. This is one that I'm I'm actually kind of sh shocked he hasn't talked about yet. But it's also a, a relatively obscure book. It's not like too well known about. Mm. But it would be one I I could see him reading and incorporating in, into his lectures and the things he talks about. Um, it's interesting. It's about, well, it's a memoir. So Sebastian Hoffner, the author, it's about his experiences during the period when the Nazis were taking over. Um, actually, specifically, it was about him growing up in post-World War I Germany and how Germany was affected mm. by all of that and the stuff he lived through there, and then the rise of Nazi Germany. And so you're getting the perspective from a German citizen, because he was German, who the propaganda wasn't working on. It wasn't mm. like us. Mm. Like, so mm. he's in the middle of what's going on in his country, and he's seeing this transformation happening, right? And it's like a private battle between himself, a citizen, mm. and this larger power beyond him that he doesn't know how to stop this huge force that is changing his whole country around him 
Um, he never got to finish it either. It like ends a little abruptly. And I think and his uh, his son, I his think, son put it out. Yeah. It, yeah. Right. I'm wondering what the books too, but what variables there could be that prevent an individual from succumbing to propaganda. And everybody around you seems to be believing that, according to Hitler, Jews must be exterminated. What what prevents you from buying into that? And I don't know. For many at the time, so he had a Jewish Whoa. girlfriend. I remember that in the story, and I think that he talks about that, and how I think that was part of why he was able to like look past all that stuff. Because hmm. he had a Jewish girlfriend, he was in you know in love with a Jewish girl. So clearly, he's not going to just be like, oh well, Hitler's right, and you're all these things. Also, but more yeah. fundamentally, there's a, a a book. It's actually an ebook called The Authoritarians by Bob Altemeyer, and he sort of posits that humanity is divisible more or less like fifty fifty between uh, what he calls authoritarians, authoritarian uh, that includes like authoritarian leaders and authoritarian followers. And then on the other side, you have more individualists who prefer a more um, sort of just like individual, familial, small scale type of like, they're not looking to follow or adhere. They can come up with their own uh, moral and ethical system. They don't need to glom onto a larger sort of social movement or belief system in order to exist. So it's kind of interesting because if, if that's true, if there are, the, this is like a fundamental like thing about humanity, it kind of explains like our tribal nature and also why there's so much diversity within humanity itself. So I think it's, it's definitely one possibility. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the, the critics aimed at people who claim to be individualists are I'm trying, I've been trying to understand it lately, and I guess these are my own example, and perhaps you guys would agree with it. It's like, I kind of see myself belonging to some sort of ideological community, like I'm in that Jordan Peterson group or, or fan base, you would call it, and I'm into authors who he talks about a lot, but... You're in, in his cult. You're in the... I'm in his cult. <laughs> I'm drinking the juice. I'm deep in that fascist web. Um, but a lot of what people like him and others you know Nietzsche and Jung talk about is like I look to them for guidance it's not like I have I learned everything myself I'm not I'm fucking stupid there's no way I could do that well even Peterson but, has said multiple times like none of the stuff I am talking about right 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 new like maybe the way I put it together is kind of unique and that's why people are you know it's resonating with them but he's like this is this is not new stuff you know this is stuff that i myself am, am taking from right. other people who've taught this i just think individualists or whatever label you want to use get misconstrued as completely self-taught i will take help from nobody people and i'm not that person at all like i i need guidance in life i need it from books i, I mean my, my girlfriend from from thinkers who were just way more sophisticated and, and bright than I am people in books, you know, Peterson, it's that it's like, I the, just because I call myself an individualist doesn't mean I'm like, I'm never going to say yes to help. But you'll still, you'll take it from multiple different sources where, you know, you're, you'll be like, okay, this kind of resonates. I'll take a little bit of this. I'll take a little bit of that. I'll go right here. It's more like, whereas authoritarians, they find a single structure like wokeism or like the church or, you know, whatever it happens to be and they glom onto it and they sort of like it becomes their identity you know it can happen with a work thing um 
but they, they, they need a social structure in order to really feel a sense of identity. Whereas you, you can grab different things from different places and incorporate them yourself and reflect upon them. You have that sort of unique capacity yeah. to reflect. <clears throat> you're special, and Paul. You're special. Yeah. You're uh, a special and that's thing. why authoritarians hate us because we can exist without like a sort of structure. We don't yeah. need to be told what to do. Yeah. Right. And just that you, they, they don't like that we actively tell them to go fuck themselves <laughs> when they try to tell us. What, yeah, they probably don't like that either. They don't like that. <laughs> so it's it's fighting against this this one source of guidance, one unifying idea. I mean, Orwell talks about that. It's it's one dominant idea, one dominant opinion, only one. One. That's what I'm afraid of having just one source. Like the age of three TV channels. It was forever ago. Why are we trying to go yeah. back to that? We need multiple sources of that that fit everybody's just different, unique personalities. Well, the problem really is that we have a cult of like you know ultra wealthy psychopaths running the planet. That's the big problem. <laughs> That's just a conspiracy. Oh, you want to get to the real conspiracy? <laughs> like the aliens are eating you. The one, the, the aliens that are puppeting. If you hear me coughing, that's because I'm drinking the official whiskey of the Joe Rogan podcast. Ah, uh, nice. are you actually drinking whiskey right now? Buffalo Trace. I got it for my birthday, actually, by my oh, buddy. Very nice. Yeah, I've been meaning to try Buffalo. How Trace. is it? Is it good? It. it tastes like vanilla and oak. Yeah, I'm a connoisseur. Mm. It tastes great. It's great. I love it. I'm a fan of. We'll whiskey. have to try it. I like scotch, especially. Scotch. Okay. Bourbon's good. I mean, I'll drink all the whiskeys, whatever. I'm a fan of whiskey over all those, uh, three of those. Yeah. Sake is my favorite alcohol, if you ask me. Sake. Hot sake is the greatest. What do you think about this, uh, these January 6th people, Paul? They're still in jail, right? A lot of them are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're still in jail. They um, haven't even had trials yet. There's, there have been well, some. Well, I heard, uh, like, Trump's not saying anything about them. Nope. No, he hasn't. Not a good look. Not a good look at all. If I was those people, I would be, uh, I'd be done with them. I'd be like, really? Damn, Damn dude, I came out here. And are, are there like any diehard Republicans who are like, hey, let's get these people out of jail? Uh, Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene has. Uh, she's probably the only one. She's she's visited. She's spoken out multiple times. She's trying to bring attention. I think uh, what's the guy that I can't stand? He looks like a cat. He's from Florida. Matt Gates. Matt yeah he went um and uh madison cawthorn is another one he's so cute um you know they're trying to get all these people um disqualified by uh i forget which amendment it is but one of the amendments is like you know if you participate in like sedition against the united states you can't you know run for office and so what the uh the dnc is now alleging is that because these people have sort of tried to help the people that have been locked up and treated unfairly that they are you know aiding sedition against the united states and are thus disqualified from running for office so it's a very potentially uh, sketchy situation because i don't think they agree with you know what they're saying and now you're trying to use the force of the law to prevent people from being it's like they're trying to let you know what they do to them on twitter they're now trying to do to them in the uh, federal government yeah, they're they're using intimidation tactics. I mean, before the show, I was just watching the new episode with Tim Pool and James O'Keefe on there. I mean, look what they did to him. He had like eleven agents, twelve, like eleven or twelve agents show up at his house. He like 
Wakes and them up what, what was his involvement? What was his? I'm, I'm unaware of the story. What was his involvement? So, oh, this was about the so Ashley Biden diary. Allegedly, so allegedly, what had happened was that Project Veritas got this uh, diary that was supposed to be Ashley Biden's diary, and in the diary, the uh, you know the author reported to be Ashley Biden uh, detailed some inappropriate showers that she had taken with her father, you know, our now President Joe Biden. Um, and they, uh, they, so Project Veritas got this from a source and they couldn't corroborate it. They couldn't verify it. Yeah. They were so they, almost sure it was real. They were about 99. He said he yeah. was about 99% sure, but they could not verify it. And so they didn't, you know, publish didn't it. They the didn't story. run the story. Yeah. And what they did do was that they reached out to the Bidens for comment. They turned a copy of the diary into the FBI and federal law enforcement, um and that was that you know and then they they raided them months later using it looking for it you know as a as an excuse in order to access uh james o'keefe's you know t i guess he has multiple telephones and they they, they, they busted him shit. super early in the morning took all his electronics and uh then leaked his the content of his electronics to the new york times yeah and they were immediately messaging him while all of this shit was happening and he was like how the hell so do they know the new york times and on? the fbi were working in concert to harass and intimidate you know o'keefe who's obviously been doing a lot of muckraking yeah. and for those people who don't know that word that means he does like sort of guerrilla journalism that you know sort of stirs up the muck he goes and like mm. looks for stories that will know abuse of power uh you know corruption yeah and, and he exposes that what's nuts too is like they don't you, like it if you look him up on like wikipedia or whatever and they lie about him and hate them they, they don't say oh he's a journalist or like oh he's a right wing you know part of a right wing group and all this shit and that it's like dude he's exposed and criticized fox too he hasn't just sure, sure. Bows and criticize one side. It's There's like, a lot you could say about Fox News. I mean, it's not like my favorite. Yeah. Oh no, Fox News is terrible. Oh yeah, they but they hate O'Keefe. They can't. They're really scared of this guy. You know, there is. I mean, when he walked out of the the freaking hearing and stuff over Fauci recently, he made a video. So he was. So he wasn't on the Capitol. Building. No, he was. He was. No. In, no. He was in D.C. that day. Though. In D.C. that day, he was okay. there. Yeah, oh. I remember he posted a video that night from his hotel room and was like, you know, we got some big things coming out. So don't give up. And what's interesting is I think Brent, I might be wrong. You could probably correct me on this, but the mm -hmm. diary and all of that, didn't he gain possession of that during the election? Um, I'm not or sure was when it after the election. I'm not sure when actually they got it. Um, because if that was during the election, boy, that's I think uh, it was before. I think it was before. That's that's why they they didn't run it because they couldn't one hundred percent verify. And then the other thing that was interesting was well, now if the FBI raided him over it, you know, saying that like they were looking for it or does something, that verify does it? that verify yeah. it? It's a good question. And does he, that and if if so, that kind of goes back to my like little central thesis that we've got a bunch of you know satanic billionaire pedophile psychopath. Yeah creepos he he said it does he thinks strings it, he said it, he thinks it does verify oh on tim pool he said that oh did we lose paul oh. him back in. we can pause it do you have to re-invite him okay and we're back and yes it was we are back we apologize the feds probably cut paul off because brent mentioned you Oops. know this satanic building yeah he said it not me oh. <laughs> in power and you know they they probably cut paul off they don't like, they don't like that yeah. 
But yes, what was I saying? Uh, we were talking about the diary, the Ashley Biden diary and all that stuff. And I think the last thought that I was on before we cut out was the fact that, yes, the raid happened. Um, O'Keefe did say on Tim, on Tim Pool, you know, when they were talking about this, I was watching it. He did say that he he thinks it, it does kind of verify it. And I don't I don't see how else to look at it. Like, why would they pay so much attention to the case? Or 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 was that just the cover story and they wanted to see what else he had? maybe maybe so, maybe they thought that he might have something else so i think luke brought up a theory on the show luke radowski he brought up a theory that you know they could have someone could have planted the diary on them meaning been hired to like pass this off to them as something fake or a possible lead so they could later use it as an excuse yes, to do what you just said to then have you know some kind of probable cause or whatever to raid him and, and do what they did so i don't know you know who knows i don't rule anything out at this point when you think about just how weird shit is getting and you know I, I don't put it past the people in power to to do something that's shady but it probably doesn't even have to be that complicated maybe it just well, is real there's it's possible it's very possible that what they did broke federal law because yeah. there was a very explicit ruling that the fbi is not to raid journalists uh and and use the executive power of the state to harass journalists who are publishing information that they find you know that, that is offensive to the state or some authority in the state and that's exactly what they did that's exactly what they did yeah <laughs> and merrick garland is you know this is the same guy you know who just recently was a very controversial decision to sick the fbi on parents who had the gall to speak out at like yes you know, their local school board meetings meanwhile like people i don't know if people know but merrick garland's i think it's his daughter one of his kids or both of them i can't remember exactly but they are involved like like they have a whole business around promoting wokeism in like you know high schools and elementary schools and they they rake in you know well north of six figures for for that little business that they do so um, well i'm very concerned about the average citizen being labeled as a domestic terrorist Mm -hmm. parents who want to have the power to guide their children through their education not by the means through which the state wants you to do it aka that's domestic terrorism that's complete nonsense it's very concerning it's insane it's crazy i don't know i think the state should tell everyone what to think and what to do and i think they should have complete control over everyone's children and what their children think amen brother I took the words out of my mouth Forget what I just said. but you know for our safety because look at you know this virus and all this stuff man it's just like it's so much and we just we need to be safe and protect it and stuff well there's a level there's like a is there a level of safety that you say okay this is safe enough and then you clearly not overstep that i think everybody should be armed all the time yes well didn't tim post something recently too about like mandatory guns yeah gun mandate mandatory guns yeah it was really funny actually it was really funny it's like that yeah, would scare the shit out of so many people <laughs> it's like uh you can only it's like do you have your it's like anytime you go anywhere people are like uh, you have your gun <laughs> yeah he's like Vons. So Thomas Massey tweets, what pro-Second Amendment legislation do you want the House to pass when Republicans retake the majority? And Tim uh, quote tweets him and he says, universal gun ownership and a federal gun mandate. Want to go shooting? Uh, sorry, want to go shopping? Gotta have a gun. Want to eat at a diner? Gun. 
I mean, a, 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 ba- a gun's going to beat a vaccine pass. And, like, rock, paper, scissors. The vaccine pass is going to lose to a gun any day. It's like, show me your pass. Here's my here's my gun. Okay, yeah, I win. Vaccine pass right here. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. But, yeah, you know, Tim is another just crazy right-wing conspiracy nut. I think it's know. so funny that they try to slander him as right-wing. He's like... He worked for Vice, right-wing. which is so historically left-wing. I know. I mean, I, I guess he's like he was also like a big like his whole start was like at OWS, which is very yeah. sort of left wing, like populist. Yeah. Like, like left or right, these are just people who question. Tim Pool just yeah. questioned. Joe Rogan questions. You cannot question things anymore. The whole scientific process is about question. Journalist, pro- journalists question, question. No, accepting things and shoving it up your ass is not the same as doing science and journalism. You got to question these things. And whether or not you're wrong or right, this question, why is that a sin, a cardinal sin? I don't, I don't understand. It's very odd. It's very disturbing. We've seen, but we have seen sort of the collapse of this like coof narrative with like, you know, Rachel Linsky coming out and then sort of like walking back the idea that, uh, you know, most people that are in the hospital with the coof, they have multiple problems. Like she very famously, there was a clip that went around and then the, the fact check came out that was like a clip taken out of context, you know, was suggesting this, that, and the third. Uh, fact checkers say otherwise. And it's just like funny because you get like a clip is something taken out of context. Like that's literally what a clip is. Like, it's a clip. <laughs> like we're going to take a clip out of this show in order to promote it and encourage people to watch the whole thing. Like that's the whole point. You take a bit out of context and you share it because it's shorter than the whole thing. But it just blows my mind how they try to distort. They, they're basically trying to get us to agree, you know, that you, what we see with our eyes is not what's what's there. And it's just... It, it, it's so overtly totalitarian it's so overtly communist like i don't even know what else to call it like i used to think calling the democratic party kind of communist was a little hyperbolic it was a little sure sure exaggerated it was a little over the top reductive maybe now since the coof thing in the last two years they seem very communist they're sort of very top down they you know they don't they just they they want almost religious like belief in their doctrines and whatever their policies are and then they they claim to you know like it, it, that it's following the science but it's the it's the furthest thing from the truth like it's actually quite the opposite like it's it's not really following the science and if there was like actual real science there would be an active debate ongoing there would be a willingness to investigate people like Dr. Anthony Fauci and his, all his financial connections people like Peter Dazak and how they took money from the EcoHealth Alliance or through the EcoHealth Alliance in order to do illicit gain of function, potentially bioweapons research in China. Like all of these little things would be like on the table for discussion. And, you know, the, the whole Fauci Dazak EcoHealth Alliance thing would should be plastered front page New York Times. Like this should be the greatest scandal of the entire like last two years. And it just nary a mention. Like, Last no, it's 10 like it's not even when has a scientist ever been infallible? Even Einstein was wrong about stuff, right? right. Yeah. yeah, people. Why is things. why is the CDC Fauci Mark Zuckerberg cohort right a hundred percent of the time? Yeah, no, people it's not how it works. That these types of folks, professional scientists, doctors, that they're above lying that they're above being threatened or or coerced that they're above being like self-interested you know or being corrupt or taking bribes 
It's like, dude, they're they're people. They're just as susceptible to all of that stuff as a politician right. is. To if play devil's advocate, the argument we, we well, it was during an emergency. This was a this you know early on in 2020, 2020, I was a little bit concerned, perhaps more than I realized about COVID. I was like, I don't want my mom getting it. We didn't know vaccines. It was a different world, and I, I can I sort of understand that argument. But here we are today in twenty twenty, whatever the fuck, and we're still. <laughs> terrified out of our minds two, two years later yeah two years later but but that is two one of years the arguments to stop that's you know it was there an emergency and we, we need to have trust in these institutions during times of crisis or trying times or whatever term you want to use and so we need guidance and leadership but we were not given good guidance or good leadership at all it seems in, in retrospect well and especially when you consider like cuomo wolf and uh and Murphy and and like intentionally sending COVID positive patients into nursing home facilities where the most vulnerable people, old people with multiple comorbidities, sending those positive patients in there when they had resources, you know, they had that that hospital ship and they had field hospitals and they had plenty of bed space. There was no reason for them to do that. You know, so it almost begs the question, did they do that to intentionally? you know, infect a bunch of old people that were on Medicare and Medicaid to, to sort of slash the state's budgets for support. Did they do that for that reason? Was that sort of like a plan, like between multiple different things? Because like, if so, that could be considered a conspiracy. <laughs> I think even, even despite all of that, it's, this shows why it's important to like study history too, you know, so yeah. abusive, you know, this abuse of power can't happen again, but it would also, you know, it shows people very clearly a pattern that in these emergency situations, when those in power take more power, emergency powers, they, uh, they typically don't just uh, give it they up. They abuse it and they don't give um, it back. They don't just like give that up again. Well, it seems like they had this whole, like this whole sex scandal with Cuomo, you know, and notice no charges came of it. You know, they just sort of got him to resign and like get out of there. And it feels like they, they needed that scandal to kind of cover up cover up the other one distract from what i would consider you know way worse of well, a scandal murdering a few thousand yeah. old people is probably the bigger of the two if you ask me sure. and then it also starts yeah. to implicate other governors who did similar things like murphy and wolf. murphy and wolf from pennsylvania well i'm from jersey so of course there's at least I'm three focus at least three on that i know of that that had similar policies and if one one of them went down for it all of them would go down for it I just want to be on the record saying, fuck Phil Murphy. <laughs> That's it. That's all I want to say. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. He's the governor, governor of, New of New Jersey. Oh, New Jersey. Um, That's a flyover state, isn't it? Pennsylvania. Hey, that's my home. Now okay, we've got, uh, I live on the coast, too. People fly over us all the time. Kathy, Kathy Hochul, I think, is now the governor of New York. Yes. Hochul. Oh, okay. Hochul. Yes. I remember New Jersey got hit hard at 2020. Yeah, well, they, they copied all the stupid policies that New York did. Oh. They also so. have a lot of old people on, like, Medicaid and Medicare and, like, assisted living and stuff We like that. are also the most densely populated state in the country. Mm. Meaning we have the most people squeezed into the smallest amount of space. That makes sense. Yeah. Nah, that makes sense. Yeah, a lot of people who, like, work in New York City, for example, a lot of them live in New Jersey, not New York State. So, and even culturally, like where I'm from in Jersey, like more Northern, I guess, Jersey and just, yeah, that whole coast area, 
just culturally a lot of it is is a lot like new york city you know and new york city kind of just hugs that area it's right up against new jersey and really it's closer to us than it is to the whole rest of the state of new york so actually it's kind of weird when you look in a map you're like how is this even part of the state of new york that's a good question yeah Hmm? so i don't know what are you thinking for uh this week Paul? what do you got going on are you making more videos i love your videos by the way i don't know if i'm making a video or not i don't um i i don't have a content board thing planning do do you have do you have an embarrassment (laughs) fetish paul you like to post embarrassing things on your youtube uh honestly i think embarrassing yourself in public is a very useful skill to practice i don't think well there's that and i really love to see youtube change their slogan from censor yourself to broadcast yourself again like it used to be back in 2006 i'm old enough to remember videos like chocolate rain by tay zonday chocolate rain you were 10 years old you were into like fred but oh, back then I, I youtube was about just fucking stand hey it's fred i was just thinking even in 2022 people are still annoyed by fred that's how powerful he was yeah um right, frank 2013 king of youtube the greatest youtuber of all time as far as i'm concerned it was just people keyboard having fun. cat shout out to keyboard cat keyboard cat just people having fun online like i'm a big fan of the new age youtube um video game video essays on like i'm such a fucking nerd i watch these things like how emulators were made and it's never anybody on camera i watch those all the time but i'm just a big fan like the numa numa dance i'm a big fan of that and this stupid (laughs) embarrassing shit we call cringe now which was cool back then i want to bring that back i love your uh depressed video this like nine minute like rant you have at the beach Oh yeah, that's, that's the guru one. The the guru one. We put yeah, this so on, good. and I just like was like, "What is he doing?" I just couldn't stop laughing. It was amazing. So I think, so to comment on what you said about you know the skill of embarrassing yourself, I think there actually is something to that. Like initially, I was like, "Oh, that's you know Paul joking," but I'm like, "No, there's actually something. There's something here." Yeah. Um, I think it, there's something to be said about not taking yourself too seriously. Um, I think I've tweeted about this before too, but there has to be like a balance between taking yourself serious enough. Obviously, you don't want to like go around life, everything's a joke. You know, you have to take yourself of serious. Of course, that's some, nihilism to some degree, right? A, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's also a there's a danger in taking yourself too seriously and not being able to laugh at yourself. And I think there's something really like liberating and freeing about just allowing yourself to be embarrassed or like deliberately putting yourself in an embarrassing situation it's like it's freeing it's liberating it's like no one can hold this against me because i am i'm voluntarily putting this out there and owning it and it's i'm having fun and it's funny so people want to make fun of me and troll or whatever it's it doesn't work it doesn't affect me it doesn't hurt me I'm yes sure. it's the eminem eight mile thing you know how can you diss eminem when he just dissed himself well what you said earlier about towing the like walking that thin tightrope between comedic nihilism where you really do believe that everything is useless and then this other side to that where you're 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 parodying a lot of stuff and you're embarrassing yourself in front of 20 people that's a very interesting <laughs> balance oh that's a very be, interesting balance because i don't ever want to fall into that nihilistic that that hellhole but i i don't know maybe there's some weird freudian psychoanalytical answer to 
why it is that when I turn on my camera and I want to express myself and it just comes out backwards in the opposite thing that I want to say. And this has this ironic touch instead of me actually speaking what I, what is on my mind, which Brilliant. I do I in some it. videos and those are way harder, way harder. Um, so I don't know why I tend to communicate via parody on, on camera. I've been thinking about that a lot, yeah, but I also manage. don't want to step on the toes of anybody who has genuinely helped me out in my life. I'll always make fun of the charlatans and the woke BS, but, uh, the self-help charlatans, but no, I don't ever want to seem like I'm not taking life seriously enough or it's all fun and games because it helps with the challenge of life, the making fun of yourself and the embarrassment. Absolutely. We commend your ability to hold a straight face. Yeah, we it's thought, very impressive. We thought that was very impressive. Because I, I went like nine minutes. I would not. Saying, I would have died. I would have been cracking up after like. I, can I crack up on video a lot, which Double. makes me crack up because I like it when people break character. But uh, thank you. Uh, it was very impressive. I have just always enjoyed making goofy dumb videos with my friends i don't have any friends anymore so now it's just me. <laughs> they're all online on zoom are they all afraid you're gonna infect they're all in the metaverse so we have to get together you get that. boosted you're not boosted right so you're gonna fucking infect them that's why you don't have friends anymore they're all afraid of you because you're you're no you are a second class citizen now with i'm an honorary second class citizen. well no you are one now because you're if you're not boosted then you're not vaccinated anymore like the definition changed so, oh, that's that's right. They keep you are now. You welcome are back to the unvaxxed count. You know. <laughs> that is my favorite meme of all time right now. Is the cover me harder, daddy, with like the twenty shots. I, and love, I love when they put like thousands of them on there. I kind of had this idea for a bit. I would I actually need like a camera to film this. It's like it's. I go into a coffee shop. Lady's like, oh, could you put on a mask? Oh yeah, yeah, sure. And I take out one mask, and I'm like, I take out another mask. I take on like four masks. I I'm holding up the line. I'm just like Did putting on all these video? masks. The video on the plane. The Which video one? on the plane and the guy, he, he, it just came out recently and he just keeps putting them yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting them on. He puts yeah. on like five of them. People oh, like, that one? No. No, yeah. I thought you meant the like, guy was eating food and this woman came up in front of his face. And... No, but that was really. That was nasty. crazy. That was nasty. She spat on him twice. She spit in his face. Yeah, that was, that was, when she I see that, gorgeous. I think of the people who genuinely have a good reason to at, politely ask somebody, hey, you know, my grandma, she has to go to this meet, she has to fly, and I'm kind of concerned. No, this this woman was being a bitch. And the guy was old. It's not like it was a young, this is yeah. an old guy, and he's not there like, oh, I'm in the risk category. You're a young lady. You're probably going to be fine. Why are you freaking out about this when I'm not? You know, that's what I found so ironic about the whole thing. But wow, it really, you know, that video just shows some, some of the real nasty Besides that, the ship definitely, definitely viral stuff is always going to be the most depraved examples of human behavior. We're never going to see videos of people hugging. We're never going to see no, videos. I see that too. I, I see viral videos sometimes of like a good deed or some like heartwarming, wholesome shit, and everyone's just like, "Oh, that's hard." The top, a lot of the top earners on or like the big like earner videos on Rumble are all like these little like three second like cat or baby videos. Oh, of course, cats rule the internet. They own this shit. They own this shit. Cats on the internet. They That's do. True. I mean, I think a cat post will always, always go further than anything else. You know, doesn't matter what it is. You know, you could be telling people that literally the end is tomorrow. There's a space rock. Here's a picture of it. Here's video footage. Here's proof. 
and people will scroll past that for yeah. did you hear about the um the guy that's like a time traveler that said like aliens are going to come out from like deep within the earth it's starting Brent. it's starting Brent. did you hear about this <laughs> no there's this guy who like claims to be like a time traveler and like he like predicted like three events in this like viral video or whatever Whoa. um it just seems like another psyop to me but i just thought it was really funny so apparently we'll see whether or not the aliens actually come up out you know in august or whatever We're just are you too aware of my favorite internet conspiracy psychopathic uh thing time cube <laughs> i know what's time you guys don't know about time cube no oh i mean it's already over the guy died not that long ago um so there was this website called time cube just google it it's on wikipedia it's on the Wayback machine now this guy who probably had some sort of mental illness created this bad website that just goes on and on and on about his crackpot theory of time cube which is that simultaneously there are four quadrants of time that exist simultaneously and you exist in this sphere of the cube and like picasso mm -hmm. lives in this sphere and everybody who's not teaching this are dumb in his words dumbass educators you may, rambles on and on and on you may have brought this up last time i can't recall that. i hope i did you may have i have probably brought it up in a previous time cube quadrant i feel like i would remember though a name like time cube oh yeah it's great it mm -hmm. sounds like a band honestly like this would be a dope band name like time hey what's cube. up guys we're time cube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it would be like some really crazy like experimental yeah. like progressive space death metal or something Stop. Time cube. <laughs> we're time cube uh -oh. time cube we're doing it we're all three of us are forming time cube i got sleigh bells well i'm obviously the drums uh brent i don't know you don't play anything but you can i can do uh he can do marketing we'll just be a two-man band he'll do the marketing yes. i mean i guess brent can do vocals sleigh bells and drums <laughs> sleigh bells. You, gotta, you gotta work on your <laughs> and then you can do oh. shrieks too like no death grips <laughs> <laughs> too late for shrieking did you say death grips death grips oh i only know about that because uh when i was a substitute i had a couple students who were into into that into oh that's badass what class was i was into death grips in high school man hell yeah i didn't even know they were out that long and i didn't i didn't know about him until probably a couple years ago never heard of it and then i just oh, yeah, showed great. me some of this i'm like this is they've got one of the lyrics uh be the freak you want to see just don't follow me so hard that's one of my favorite little cut lyrics. out a bit say it again be the freak you um, what be the be the freak you want to see, just don't follow me. Uh, and that was Prince, you said? <laughs> that was Death Prince. Death Grips. Oh, <laughs> Death okay. Prince. Death Grips. I'm like the artist formerly known as Prince. <laughs> the artist formerly known as Prince. <laughs> Prince. I have no fucking idea what we're even talking about anymore. Honestly, we had no plan either. We were like, we'll I just bring Paul on and just, just, just bring him on and talk about whatever. We'll see what happens. No, I didn't either. I came yeah. with this huge list of answers to your questions. and uh, we haven't. Did gone. you really? Oh. Yeah, I pre-wrote answers to your questions. I knew you were going to ask me this question. How did you know what we were going to ask, Paul? What are you reading right now, Paul? Anything yeah, good? That's a good question, actually. Uh, uh, I haven't been reading too much. I have just been revisiting Orwell on Truth, a collection of some of his best nonfiction writing. A lot of people right. obviously know Orwell from 1984, but he is such he's becoming one of my favorite authors because you have to you should know that he was writing as a as a leftist at the time and yes, he was critiquing his own very people essentially was, was very interesting and apart from that i am reading little snippets from frederick nietzsche's human all too human 
which is his most accessible work. If if you were like me and you read for the first time you've ever read Nietzsche, you read um, Beyond Good and Evil, you made a big mistake. I recommend anybody read Human All to Human as their first entryway into Nietzsche, super accessible. And uh, it will completely, I hope, demolish all of your preconceived notions of Nietzsche being essentially the precursor to Hitler. Um, one of his sayings in that book, he wrote very, he had to write kind of short little paragraphs at the time because he was quite ill. He wrote this one little bit that I really enjoy called, uh, that goes, um, essentially the best way to start your day is to ask yourself, how can I bring joy to somebody else's life? And that's coming from Mr. Apparently Nihilist Brooding Nietzsche. Yeah, well, they, they take the whole, like, Superman theory thing, and they just kind of run with that, but they don't talk about all the other stuff that Nietzsche wrote and talked about. So the Nazis were like, oh, well, the greatest way to bring joy is to kill a Jew. So they're like, okay, yeah, we, we got to do that. Very nice. Where did helpful. Nietzsche write that? <laughs> exactly. I don't know. It. it took it to a dark place to a dark place. no but it sounds like a very sort of like spiral out like a little service to others kind of philosophy like i like uh -huh. it brent's reading the expanse oh Ooh, yes i've been reading the the expanse books there's eight of them yeah i got him the whole set for his birthday last november i'm really kind of like a sci-fi nerd so um it's i've i've been sort of like wayward in the sci-fi uh fiction area ever since there's like no more star trek really um I liked Picard. I thought that was fun. Um, but uh, Discovery is just a little too crazy for me, so I can't get into it. Um, but I really like The Expanse. We watched uh, the first five seasons, and now the six is coming out on uh, Prime, I think. But I got into it, and now I really like the books, and the characters are great, and the authors. Apparently, there's two guys that write it, uh, even though it's a, it's a single offer. It's like that's their like pseudonym, but it's two dudes, and I love the characters, especially Christian Alvizrala. She's like the lady, like on the, she's got this like really like husky, like, I don't give a fuck, get it done. Yeah, she's got a very husky, sort of like, I've smoked a lot of cigarettes well, in my that's, life, grandma. That's also because you're, you're thinking of her in the context of the show and the actress when you read. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is inevitable, you know. Is well, I, I saw the show yeah. before I started to read the books. That's what I mean. Is so like already in your head, you kind of have an image of the character and her voice based on what's that actress's name? I forget. I feel like we should know her name because she's like in all these things. Like she was in Punisher and a couple other things. She's also a very famous. She has uh, such voice a actress. distinct voice. Like uh, Shorey Agadashlu. 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 Shorey. Shorey Agadashlu. Agadashlu is an Iranian American actress. Okay. Yeah, she's interesting. Mm -hmm. I really love her She's voice. She's great. I love her voice. Oh, it's so good. I am reading, well, I just finished um, a book called Deadly Force recently. A couple weeks ago, I finished that by Masad Ayub. Um, mm. So he's, you know, he's worked as a witness for various self-defense cases and law enforcement and that sort of thing. And he trains people too in that. And then I just started uh, this one, uh, The Law of Self-Defense Principles. Um, uh -oh. indispensable guide for the armed citizen and this is by attorney andrew bronca yeah so we got yeah. kind of like into um like a bunch of the attorney people that were following the uh written house the case. written house case like and so Rakeda um had this whole like stream where he had like invited a whole bunch of these attorneys and one of them was andrew bronca and they talked about this book and they're giving it away basically for free yeah just pay shipping 
Well, yeah. I, I w- it's funny because I was already reading Deadly Force by Masada Ayub, and Masada Ayub wrote the foreword to, to this book. Mm-hmm. So when I heard that he wrote the foreword to this one, I was like, all right, well, I guess it's a pretty good book because Deadly Force is excellent. I highly recommend that. Um, even- That's about those gun things? Those gun things, man. It's a, it's a great book, book uh, because it's specifically about um, dealing with the law after a self-defense incident you know a lot of people Mm. carry don't know that like yeah sure you have a gun you're in a situation but when that happens you have to be able to explain every single thing you did to justify why you used deadly force in the way you did it when you're in court and that's so the book is very much all about the ordeal that follows a self-defense incident and Mm. the type of things you should expect to go through how the court is going to treat you um etc etc this varies a lot state to state sure and the the type of lies too that the prosecutors will use against you so you know whether your case was justified or not they're not going to be your friend you know they're gonna they're gonna really try to come for you and make up whatever they can based on the available evidence etc etc so yeah if you carry a gun read it it's a very important book and just know you know know the law and know how to explain what you're doing and and what are the proper situations in which you should use hmm. that hmm. course you know good book though yeah well it's we want to get him on the show i really want to get him oh that'd be good you know you, well it's important to kind of like if you're if you're going to be concealed carry you should like know like all the rules and yep. right right the discipline required yeah mm-hmm. it's a very important thing yeah. and then rory miller's books i recommend him for not just like learning how to like defend yourself, but he writes a lot about there's the legal stuff. He talks about the two, but he writes a lot about the after effects as well, like psychologically, but also psychologically what, what happens mm. to your brain in the middle of a fight um, mm. and how that affects your decision-making abilities and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, everybody's a badass motherfucker until they get into a fight, especially a gunfight. Yeah. And, and people mm. love to comment on these things too, you know, every time. And I was once one of these people, you know, I've commented so readily on a police shooting without really knowing all the facts. And it's just like, it's very easy to say what you would have done. Right, right. From the comfort of my situation. own home, I can imagine that I would have done these things. <laughs> Behind the keyboard. Yeah. It's like, it's so easy to be like, oh, well, I would have shot him in the leg and I would have, it's just like, you think you would, you don't know, you know, it's like literally like when you're dealing with a violent situation and someone who wants to actually hurt you, you know, or you have before, and then you're in a similar situation where you think that might be arising again. Yeah, you know, know you were good, you, you, as if you could have a hundred percent accuracy, like I have a shot of it. It's like, well, you could have missed. Yeah, you could have missed all those things. And and even that's another thing too. People think like, just cause you have a gun, that means, you know, you shoot them once and you hit them, they'll stop. No, adrenaline, all that stuff. If someone's intent on hurting you and they're really angry, you might have to put a couple rounds in them to, to put right. them down and stop them. The caliber too, that matters. You know, the caliber of bullet, all that. Hmm. Not to mention the type of bullet. That's the other thing that was interesting in, in the, uh, the Rittenhouse trial was that they were like sort of like going after him because he used like steel, like like basically solid bullets. So it's like very standard round. They weren't hollow points. Right? They weren't hollow points. So yeah, they, they were trying but, to make the argument that because these bullets pass through whoever you're shooting, that he was, you know, recklessly endangering the people, etc. Yeah. But the the whole point there was that like had they had it been you know like hollow points they would have argued you know that he was like trying to cause more damage because yeah. hollow point bullets while they they don't travel through they do tend to cause much more damage yeah. they open as they penetrate yeah they open inside the body and they they embed inside of the body they yeah. stay in there That's and, 
That's the type of rounds cops use. Well, well, but see, they're good if you, you know, if you live in an apartment building or if you live in a densely populated area, it's better to have hollow points in your gun for like self-defense in case, especially if you're like, you know, you keep a gun in your nightstand or whatever for like, you know, in case somebody breaks into the middle of the night, you don't, you know, if you put a round, you know, you miss and it goes into a wall, like a, you know, drywall, a, a bullet, the, the, the regular, uh, the regular steel jacket bullet will go right through, you know, maybe hit, you know, family member, a dog, you know, yeah. whatever, God forbid. Yeah. Hollow points will just embed usually into whatever. They'll break up. They'll get yeah. stuck in the wall. Yeah. So, so it's better for that kind of situation. So there's different types of ammunition for different types of things. And like the caliber of bullet matters, especially depending on what you're doing. Um, this is all kinds of things that you get to learn when you start to get into gun culture yeah. and being responsible well, for your I, own I think safety. I, you know, I'm with Colin Noor. That's his name, right? I think it's like Colian. Colian Noor. He's been on Rogan. He's been on Rogan and stuff a few <laughs> I'm times. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Exactly. He, he's a big 2A advocate, you know, gun person. And, you know, he, he advocates a lot for education. He thinks that's the best way to really counter the problems we see with guns in the country. We used to have gun clubs in this, in this country. Mm -hmm. We used to have, you know, kids in public schools would, you know, shoot the guns and they would do, you know, learn gun safety at school. They also learned how to drive at school. They learned like things like first aid. When was their gun club? Wait, they still teach how to drive at school, right? There's no way they don't, how to drive a car. Is that what you mean? Like, yeah, yeah. How to drive a car. You don't teach that anymore? not some schools do some schools don't but what schools have taught like guns when was that a thing well, probably none now guns like shooting back in like the 40s and 50s, the and 40s. 50s. okay i was like how long oh, that's, that's, and i'm like the argu- well the argument there is like well that was the 40s this is now now people shoot up schools <laughs> yes but there'd be less people shooting up schools of all if the children were armed right yeah then- well Right. Well, yeah, it's it's one of you versus twenty armed fifth graders. Well, Good luck. If all the teachers were armed, I mean, that's they like... were all armed, and all the kids were armed. Good luck. I mean, there, there's so much that goes into that, the mental health aspect of it, all of that. But at the end of the day, and this is where I kind of stand on that issue, I would rather live with the risk that some crazy person once in a while might use a gun for something stupid and evil and inappropriate amongst the normal citizenry than only the government being allowed to have these. No, I think everybody should be armed all the time. (laughs) Brent's on the extreme and he's like, armed babies. <laughs> Aren't everyone small 22s that, that would fit in the palm? Oh, yeah, baby so with a 22. Perfect. You know, the Chinese will never dare invade this place if they know that there are babies with 22s around every corner. I mean, that's a good argument against abortion, right? <laughs> Why are you gonna abort that baby? Just give it a gun. Like, give it a gun. Put it on the front lines. Go, baby. Yeah, go, baby. Go. More hands on the gun there. Oh. No, but yeah, no. I have no uh, idea where we're going with this conversation. It's no, like, I, no, it's... I'm just having fun. I, <laughs> I just want to chat with yeah. and hang out. This, this safety, like, stay safe, man. It irks me. I saw Zuby tweet that late the other day. Yeah, he was I like, totally agreed with that. He was stay like, I'd be happy if I never heard the word safe or safety ever again. What about strong? Stay strong. Yeah. Stay resilient stay strong well, strong strong is like very trumpian trumpian yeah it, it's all it reminds me of christie too governor christie from new jersey when the uh when the last hurricane hit us and his whole thing was like they're strong jersey strong like yeah jersey's safe no you guys are in fucking hurricane or, or, uh, good luck or hillary in 2016 when she ran with bernie stronger, stronger together, together. oh <laughs> so we can't use strong anymore fuck we gotta come up stay 
anything but safe. Uh, anything but that yeah, word. It, it, it kind of irks me. Bro. How about aware? Stay aware. Stay aware. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I get it. You know, you want people to be safe, of course. You know, you want safe communities, safe towns to live in, of course. Safety. But what do you mean by safe? Do you mean like robbing people of the right to bear Honestly, arms? Or what, like, what, do you, what do you mean? We only need like a bare minimal level of safety so that people can like, you know, like walk around, like go about their yeah. business, go to work, like kids can go to school, like, and, you know, that's why we have, you know, police to maintain that sort of like bare minimum level of safety. Yeah. But and ultimately safety life is not about that life is not about safety (laughs) everything has risks i mean you know like it's only recently where we've had you know our lifespans significantly enhanced by you know clean access to drinking water and a little less stressful lives but very recently you know you go back five ten generations like people were struggling to like break it out of their 40s like and they would you know, they had no idea what cancer was or what heart yeah. disease was and people would just like kill over and die and they'd be like oh well it was the consumption or it was like it was the humors <laughs> it was the humors or like it was the, the humors bro like they just you know they just had no idea well you know your humors are kind of out of whack but here. this is my point is just that like you know we like to, to expect safety and to expect comfort like is to fundamentally misunderstand like the nature of human life and existence, especially when you put it into the context of, you know, the last like 2000 years of us crawling out of the nomadic sort of hunter gatherer lifestyle and becoming more advanced. Uh, humans are, we're fascinating. We're so like so much diversity. We're so like, we're so fragile, yeah. but we're also like ridiculously like resilient. Yeah. We're very fragile beings, but at the same time, yeah, you're right. We yeah, are people climb Mount Everest. very strange. You know, and and yeah, a lot of them die. A lot of them die, but not all of them do, and some of them actually make it. You know, and that's just, you know, that's not even addressing the rockets and other crazy shit. How many people climb down into the hollow earth and come back? I did. They saw the reptilians and they never came back. (laughs) Cue the X Files theme. Oh no, that's that's Doctor Who. I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of Doctor Who. Really? Well, I'm not a fan anymore. Uh, which <laughs> I really so I'm because I just you're not a fan anymore after me saying that. You're no, welcome. I'm not a fan anymore after it went woke. And it went woke. Oh no, I, they woke up good because now people stop watching it. Jim and, and and that whole team and I just I don't like what they did with the show and it has nothing to do for me personally it has nothing to do with the fact that they made a doctor a woman. In this what did they do to wokeify it? Well, they made the doctor a woman. That's one aspect of it which i can forgive but the the big cast of companions hate trying women. to like force the diversity <laughs> that's all i hear is jody whitaker i think jody whitaker is a great actress i just i don't think the writers did the character justice they didn't focus enough on the character it's doctor who it's not doctor who's companions but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna rant on that our viewers don't want to hear me fucking bitch about that's why they're here. They want to hear your Doctor now. Who rant. They don't care what I have to say. They want to hear your Doctor Who rant. That's why they come to you. The number one Doctor Who rant podcast on on Spotify. That's what we're going to be. Honestly, I mean, David Tennant's run was amazing. Like, if people yeah, have like, seen it. Uh, oh, yeah, it was. You can start with Chris Ellison's. Eccleson. Uh, Eccleson. He was good. I mean, he, he's not David Tennant. David Tennant is like so amazing he's like he's like definitely uh patrick stewart level ian mcclellan level like amazing british actor he, 
he he basically he was really good in broad church too he re- he revived doctor who in many ways you know and and after him then you had matt smith who was also really good and then peter these words really don't care about Speaking doctor probably were fine but <laughs> definitely like, you know i'm not gonna rant about doctor who if we're talking about like, doctor the who fuck are we still talking like if i started ranting about bionicles and how they wokeified bionicles Bro, what Bionicles, they wokeified Bionicles. They woke Bionicles. They added a Ow. trans Bionicle. She's blue and pink and white. Yeah. She carries it's... a grenade. A is launcher. that real? Or you're uh, she's got a rocket launcher. Um this is real. She or they, probably it's probably they. <laughs> they. It's a they. Are you fucking with me right now? They did the same thing with uh, this new Star Trek cartoon. There's like a Star Trek prodigy. It's like a cartoon sort of like targeted, like market is like children. It's got kind of like Clone Wars feels to it from the style of the animation and the, the design of the characters. I thought it was a Star Wars show at first. But they have a uh, non-gendered, non-binary, uh, gaseous, plasma sort of life form that lives inside of like a mechanical shell. <laughs> and they made a point multiple times in the first couple episodes to point out that 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 they were non-binary. Oh, yeah, they have to make a, make a big point of it. They gotta make a point of it. <laughs> so, so what colors are the lightsaber? No, this was in Star, this is Star, Star Trek. Trek. Oh, Star Trek. Oh, that's Star the one Trek. without the it, lightsabers. Yeah. Yes. This is like a new cartoon that's sort of based on the premise that there was a uh, advanced Voyager style ship that was sort of lost and a, it has no crew. I don't think Paul even cares. And just, I am not a fan of sci-fi. I love. I like the original Star Wars. Uh, four, five, that's six. the one. That's the one with the lightsabers, right? That's the one with the lightsabers. lightsabers. I like Lord of the Rings. That's not sci-fi. That's I've never been into like sci-fi books. That's the, the most sci-fi thing I was into was like, like Cowboy Bebop. That's sci-fi. Uh, I guess it is. Did sci-fi. you watch the Netflix version? Don't. No. Don't. Don't. <laughs> don't do it. Don't, don't like, do it. It'll break your heart. Don't do it. Just, no, you don't. It's so hard to pull off a live action like why does it need to be live action it, it's such an insult to the beauty of the art form of animation this is like a thing a lot of people don't understand about story craft like when you craft a story it generally is meant for a particular form it has like a body that that it fits in and a lot of stories especially anime and manga were made for that medium now manga and anime kind of like have a good little bit of overlap because it's a lot of drawings um, and you it's have all drawing sort of cartoon right. kind of yeah well yes okay but then when they start to put over to live action like things get weird because what would be normal in a cartoon stretches like the line of credulity when it comes to live action because we come to expect more normal like rules when it comes to physical reality and there's some interesting here's it an makes interesting it harder to believe the story here's an interesting example of how like it's just difficult to adapt certain animes especially if you're limiting yourself to say just a japanese cast and doing it in japanese so the full metal alchemist live action i don't know if you've ever seen you've never seen that anime right i think we've talked about it before. no i've never actually watched fma but I'm, i know what it's about so they they did a live action movie of that and aside from the fact that you really can't like cram too much of the story into one film which is the problem that a lot of these adaptations seem to have one of the things that i noticed is they and this is going to sound i guess woke ish but they limited the cast to only japanese people and because they did that 
there's entire characters and groups of folks that they had to leave out of the show. Yeah, so, there's American characters in Bebop, the the cowboys, like the American cowboys on yeah. the TV. So that's one example, but in Full Metal, so it's like in Full Metal, the where this story takes place is like a fictional version of Europe, actually. Mm -hmm. So technically, Edward Elric should have been played by a white guy, and the brothers should have been. But it's like, all right, we'll excuse that. But in the show, there are these characters called the Ishvalans, and they're basically like, they're based on Arabs. Arabs. You know, they're like Middle Eastern, they have darker skin, they have their own culture and language. And Red stuff. eyes red eyes and they they completely left them out of the show entirely like scar that whole character very important to the story they just did not put him in the movie but in the anime they're canonically european like well there's the european ones and then the ishvalans who are like arab but it's there's like, arabs and then there's also sort of like asian-esque people yeah what was the, the land of jing jing something like that oh yeah yeah they did have the the, the little girl were... the little yeah, the little yeah, girl yeah. was from there I can't remember the name, but the, the point is, you know, it's like by limiting themselves to just a Japanese cast and doing the whole thing in Japanese, it's like the story, you couldn't properly tell that story in the way that they told it in the anime. Isn't there some racism inherent in assuming that a Japanese person should be cast into a, it's like, oh, anime, well, Japanese, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. It's the, I guess yeah. the argument is that because it's a Japanese show written in Japanese, and I, which I understand. The characters aren't Japanese. The some of the characters yeah, aren't the Japanese. Characters the thing. Doesn't aren't. matter. And not just that, race is an important part of the story. Like, again, the Ishvalan, right. their Arab style, and part of the plot yeah, yeah. story is that there was, like, um, war crimes committed against them, like a genocide in the past mm -hmm. by, like, you know, the, the current government that's there and took over their region, etc. So race is, like, an important part of the whole plot and the theme mm -hmm. behind the story. Mm -hmm. So you need characters of different, you need actors of different races to properly play the characters to then tell. Yeah, that's called diversity. You know, it's called diversity. <laughs> but it's like, it's just funny because it's like you can't have a Japanese dude playing the Ishvalans or, or something like that. It just, you can't tell the story that way. So I feel like the only way to say do an anime like Full Metal is like you, you would have to have their studio partner with Western Studios. Or do you remember a few years ago when they completely ruined Last Airbender? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, similar shit too. It's like you, you couldn't cast the correct like type of, of actor to play these characters. Like Sokka is, is clearly like, you know, like a, like a, like an, they're Lucian, like an Eskimo, they're Eskimos. It's like, and they cast a white dude. It's funny, you know. I, I it can, was weird. Yeah. Well, that wasn't really my problem. My problem was that they tried to compress the entire first season into like a ninety-minute movie. Like, yeah. That just wasn't gonna work. It's, you can't tell the story at the time. The worst. You can't do that. Yeah. You can't just compress it like that. That is the greatest show ever. Oh, I love it's that good, show. Man. I fucking love it's Avatar: so Last Airbender. I think I got it's a lot so of my awesome. like values from that too. Iro. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That Iroh. that. The Zuko Iro arc is just the Brilliant. greatest thing of, yeah. of animated Western TV ever. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's so good. It it's actually very, it's very Peterson esque too. I it's used like, it. I used it a lot in how I handled. I had this uh, younger client who was uh, a little difficult when he was younger, and I used a lot of like the Uncle Iro style of uh, you know like how he would behave around him when he was like angry and freaking out. I would just like Iro him and it like ended up working out very Zuko's well. Zuko's arc though, I think, is the most interesting in the whole. Oh, thing. absolutely. Yeah, that just he, where he starts to where he ends up and how he much ends up and learns and grows. Oh, love like, character development yeah he's he's great yeah 
uh, you know, Legend of Korra was okay. First season I thought was great, especially how it ended. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was didn't watch anything else after that. I don't well, know. Well, I think I think because <laughs> it mostly had like a self-contained plot for every season and yeah, it yeah. didn't it didn't like the original Avatar the adventure. Every season was like a continuation of the adventure. It was a larger story too. They also right, had to like yeah. raise the stakes and then raise the stakes, and it's just like yeah. yeah. Well, the last how do, era- top, well, how do you top that? It was masterful. Yeah. Well, that, that's why I kind of like I let it slide a bit with Legend of Korra. I don't sure. judge it too harshly because I'm like following what it followed. It's kind of hard to top that. Impossible. But I, I do think you know maybe if Legend of Korra had more of like a unified. Uh, overarching plot like through the four seasons it would have been if they just copied avatar i wouldn't have cared like yo we're just gonna kind of copy and paste the plot of avatar but just with different characters (laughs) i wouldn't mind that was the original was so good just like bring it on it was so then then there was like the surprise lesbian ending so random i heard about that it's like surprise she's lesbian yeah that was weird it's so they didn't like hint at it like no. she's like, she's, like yeah, learning I mean, that she's that that would have been interesting like, she's slight... learning that she's lesbian oh just they kind of pulled out of their butt at the they end there slightly hinted at it in that last season but oh. definitely felt like yeah they just kind of like threw that at you that was probably one of the first like early signs of like woke culture and stuff kind of creeping in but but it was also like, racing subtle it wasn't like it didn't feel Lesbians. browbeating, you know, so I'll let it slide. Yeah, it was a little. You know, by saying that, you're erasing the lesbian experience. <laughs> yeah, erasing are. What was the uh, the bad guys? I loved the bad guys in the first season. Amon? Uh, Amon yeah. yeah. The Amon and the, what was his like little cult called? Good villain. Uh, I can't remember what the cult Um, The Proud Boys. The, the Proud Boys. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of like political themes. They were, yeah, it was. Like, well, it was funny because they were very sort of like almost like you know Antifa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. I like that. It's a great Shit show. You don't realize until you grow up. Yeah, well, at season two of Airbender was kind of political too. If you remember the Boss Sang Say. Oh yeah, there's thing. no war in Boss Sang Say. There is no war in Boss. There's no war in Bossing Say. There's no, uh, there's no Joe Rogan in Bossing Say. There's no, there's no Robert Malone in Bossing Say. I'm moving to Bossing Say. Great. That was a good. That was a, definitely an amazing series. I was a big fan of. Uh, did you ever watch Berserk? Did you see that one? No, it's like a thousand episodes long. I'll never watch. No, it. no, just like the original. There's like one. that's like one season. Uh, that kind of like it's the story is pretty self-contained. There is like other ones that I haven't followed, but the original anime was like pretty short and it, it's just basically like tells like this like story of betrayal and like jaded, very much jaded revenge kind of thing. Code oh, Geass yeah. is a good one. I don't know if you've seen which one? Code Geass. I've never watched Code Geass. Yeah. It's actually really good. Weird, but though. So he has like this like I think he has like a like this magic eye he gets that allows him to mind control people and stuff. And initially he uses it to try to do good, but it, there's there's a lot of commentary, I, I guess, about the corrupting nature of power and that sort of thing. It's an interesting series, though. Do you see the uh, the new Ghostbusters? I've have I ever seen Ghostbusters? Any of them? You've seen any of them? Not, not I know the theme song. I just have never seen. You would know if you saw it. The yeah. original ones. You've never seen the original. We got I know what it's about. It's about people who fight ghosts. Bill Murray's in it. You got to rectify <laughs> this. We have to rectify <laughs> this. Ghosts are nothing. No. Oh my god. No, the original. So the first, the first two are probably. I mean, they're they tell a great story, and they. Are... I know where this is going. The last one was woke. 
No, actually, it was not no, that bad. The, it was the, good. the new one was actually really good. I enjoyed yeah. it. Um, we, but we, it has we a lot were, of callbacks to the original too. So we, we were surprised at how decent it was. Actually, that's good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It made me a little teary up at the end there. Aww, it's very nice. Yeah, they definitely tried to play homage to the originals. Um, Whereas, like the Girlbusters movie, just sort of tried to tear it down. Yeah, it tried to, you know, like it be weird. its own woke version. It was like, so weird. Girls Wait, I'm so confused. Ghosts. I thought I thought the all female cast was the new. No, so no. The, there's the two originals from the 80s, right? Or yeah. was the second one from the 90s? No, it was 90s. like it was like they came out like two years later. They were very close together. So in the 80s, and then in what year was that? Female? 2016. So in 2016, they like revived it, Girlbusters, rebooted it, and they put oh. a female cast and all of that, which is fine if it was. It's not fine. Good writing, but it's, it's not terrible writing. writing so it's terrible writing but if you say there was a bad movie you you, you means you don't like it the it fact that it was all women it it's means you're like, oh, bad writing oh that was all see i find that this is just such a cop out it's just such a cop out it, it just puts up this shield like you're not allowed to insult this thing because it's trying not to be racist or it's trying so hard not to be transphobic it's trying so hard to be inclusive and don't you dare say a word about it how dare you not like it? nothing <laughs> is exempt from criticism no matter how wonderful and progressive it is everything unless it's communist criticism. if it's communist you can't criticize or they will you know throw you into the gulag yeah no i agree though mm. i think i think that's everything. what i'm talking to from right now everything <laughs> I'm in the Hollow Earth Gulag right now. The Hollow Earth Gulag. Live from the Hollow Earth Gulag. I gotta go eat my gruel. Is it warm down there in Hollow Earth? Oh, it's freezing. How do you my uh, freezing cold Hollow Earth gruel? There's no core. There's no they earth core down shoot there. Shoot it into your veins. Um, but yeah, no. Everything is exempt. Nothing is exempt from criticism. Yeah, I think everything's on the table and up for discussion. That's that's how I am, yeah. including the most taboo things. Actually, especially the most taboo things. Like, I want to talk about Islam on the show. I haven't yet. Oh, I'm an expert on Islam. Yeah, and I, I, haven't, I haven't I haven't expert. found the deep in the Islam rabbit hole. Islam expert. Paul yeah, Krohn. I'm not an expert. I know some things, and I've you know I've read some things, but I definitely want to get someone on the show to talk to about that. But that that's a really touchy subject to criticize that, you know. And but I want to go there, man. I'm trying to touch all of the. That's some dangerous rhetoric, Daniel. It is dangerous rhetoric, but I don't give a shit. You just self-reference your own podcast. Yes. What? No. That was a penguin latte <laughs> sentence I just said there. Imagine <laughs> if I said that. Well, where can where can everybody find you on on your places? Thanks. Where to can you. people find me? The people that are still listening. Tell them about your your, your 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 dumb YouTube. They can channel. rewind this episode to the very beginning when you did exactly <laughs> what you just asked me. I'm not gonna say it again. They can do that. <laughs> Go to the timestamps below. It's at like a minute in, and you'll hear all the links. What's your that team? that Brett said three Paul. hours ago? So lazy, you are not inspiring. Paul underscore Lacron. Gotta work smart, not hard. And you can find him on YouTube. Just search for Paul Lacron. Yeah, you'll know it's him. You'll know. You'll know. You'll know it because it's got that blue check mark. You'll know. He's almost as famous as we are on YouTube, so you'll know. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, share with your friends, do all the things. Yeah. Or don't, or don't do any of that. Whatever. Or don't, and just yeah. enjoy and whatever. keep it a secret. If we can be our, like our super secret club where we talk about the evil aliens, the control well, psychopaths. Maybe we'll do something like predators. a locals or some shit soon we haven't really decided yet we're going to be moving soon and we i have need to, to get a job we have to relocate all of this and figure out a new place where the show is going to continue but 
Get a studio. I hate these Zoom meetings. Yes, we'll do it. Stay. I mean, honestly, that that that's the fucking dream is to have a place, have some extra rooms where we can like invite people to come and and like do some live shows and all of that. All right, guys, we love you. Thanks for watching. Yeah, just ready. We'll be back again soon. Stay care. Go to follow Paul. Thanks. Bye bye. See ya. Peace.